This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here and welcome to Irish Time here on the Manitou People's Radio in Palmerston North. The best community station in the district in fact. So just pass it on if you're talking to anyone who wants to listen to something a lot more interesting instead of just adverts. Anyway, this is just uh, from the BBC Northern Ireland and some Irish papers in Dublin and Galway and Waterford. Etc. Etc. So we'll start with this stuff. It's all to do with Brexit, which is a bane of everything over in uh, the north of Ireland at the moment. The UK trade delegation with New Zealand has been heavily criticised by Stormont's agricultural minister, Edwin Poots, said the deal is a very serious, very serious threat to Northern Ireland farms. The Department for Inter- International Trade said tariff liberalisation can be staged over time and will give uh, UK farmers time to adjust. Mr. Poots said he long maintained, tara, maintained tariff and quota protection must be retained for, uh, se- for sensitive agricultural products, whatever that is. Uh, quotas refer to the amount of a particular product a country is allowed to export before tariffs are imposed by the impo- importing country. New Zealand quotas for lamb and beef exports to the UK will gradually be increased once the deal is implemented. After 15 years, quotas will no longer apply and all beef and lamb imports will be tariff-free. For butter, cheese and some other dairy products, quotes will be removed after three years. Mm, interesting. Farmers, even if that, that excess is phased over a number of years, is going to be, are, going to be in pro, are going to cause some problems. New Zealand is a very significant competitive beef, sheep and dairy exporter and has the potential to quickly increase exports further with a view uh, to targeting the UK market. UK government said the deal will benefit consumers and businesses Although a preliminary government analysis suggested the agreement would be marginally negative for the Northern Ireland economy. That analysis did not consider the impacts of the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, The Department for International Trade said farmers would thrive through the deal. Uh, New Zealand already had tariff-free access through its World Trade Organisation quota, but in 2020 used less than half that quota. Interesting. Uh, this deal will uh, pave the way by joining the Indo-Pacific free trade area that other huge opportunities for Northern Ireland's farmers and food producers will uh, have access to. That's, you know, <coughs> our part of the world, really. You know what I mean? It's going to be uh, the biggest market in possibly in the world. So many countries involved in North America, South America, and all the places in between. The protocol means Northern Ar- Nor- uh, New, Z- New Zealand food exports to Northern Ireland would likely be classified as at-risk goods, meaning they would still face tariffs on entry. However, New Zealand products having tariff-free access to the rest of the UK would remain uh, would provide greater competition for Northern Ireland producers in their largest external market. I fear that if the approach that the UK government has taken with Australia and New Zealand is confirmed in the ratified free trade agreement, then the agricultural sector in Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom will in the future come under severe pressure from imports with a resulting negative impact on farm incomes and viability. 
The minister said he was also disappointed at the lack of involvement of the, de- the devolved uh, authorities in the, ne- in, the go- no- in the negotiations. And this is something that needs to change very soon, rather sooner rather than later. So uh, this big deal is going to be good from New Zealand, but it doesn't seem that it's only going to be that hot in the north. But it'll work out. They always do these things. There's usually a little... Uh, you know, snags to something or the other, but nothing that can't be uh, worked out or smoothed over. I got this stuff. I found this really interesting. Mary completes her journey uh, to the, the National Famine Walk. <coughs> Mary Kennedy, I presume she's a television personality over in the Republic, uh, continues her journey on the National Famine Way. Along the banks of the Royal Canal, uh, there are hidden treasures and history stories and musical performance as we travel through Roscommon, Longford, Westmeath, Meath, Kildare, and into the capital. Mary Kennedy takes us on an emotional journey along Ireland's uh, cameo, I think it is, uh, The Walk. Uh, It's a two-part series incorporating history, geography, music and dramatic reconstructions as we learn the story of the National Famine Way. It could be be any of us. I strongly felt it could have been an act of vandalism to destroy this place. That's you know, the result of the famine to uh, the countryside around various parts of Ireland. Next year is the 175th anniversary of Black F- 47. The history of the, the National Famine Way is at the very core of that terrible year. The road follows the trail of uh, 1,490 people from the Stokestown House Estate in Roscommon who were walked, walked to Dublin by their landlords, uh, bailiffs, and put on ships to Quebec. Mary Kennedy takes us on a journey along the 165 mile kilometres from Roscommon to Dublin in the footsteps of the tenants of the, the Stokes Town Estate. Along the banks of the Royal Canal, there are hidden treasures in history, stories and musical performances as we, as we travel through all these uh, areas. Tom Sullivan, whose uh, movie focuses on uh, one individual's plight during the famine. It was the Irish entry for the best international feature film for the, 90, for the 30, 93rd Oscars. Uh, University College of Dublin sports historian Paul Ross, who tells us the story of the 1947 All-Ireland Final in New Zealand, the only, in New York rather, the only uh, commemoration of the 100-year anniversary of Black 47. Wow. <laughs> Another person finds uh, time to, to do the tour and perform with David Guy, while others are also working on an A&E nurse in St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin. She performs the, the pose, thousands are sailing in memory of all Irish immigrants. We meet the, uh, the lock keeper whose family have been there since before the famine and a couple of living in one of the, and a couple living in one of the most beautiful colleges, uh, cottages under the, the shadow of O'Connell's monument on the banks of the canal. Mary has come across many stories over her years traveling around the country. Since she first visited Stokestown House, she has longed to look deeper into this fascinating story, a story that is at the very heart of who we are. That's true. The famine changed everything. That famine plea, founded by Jim Callany, was one of the many sent to the landlord of Stokestown House, Major Dennis Mann, in 1846. The people who signed their names to the, the Clonhee petition were from the township uh, where Jim was born and still lives. These people were starving and their cries for help were joined by many of the nearly 12,000 tenants living on 11,000 acres on the, on the, the estate. Mejimana, in a desperate measure, arranged an assisted migration scheme. The beginning of it had 1,490 tenants agreeing to leave uh, with the bailiff who walked in the 165 miles 
from where they travelled to Liverpool and then the final leg of the journey took them to Quebec and what became known as the coffin ships. A third, a third of them died in transit. When word got back to Stokestown, Major Dennis Mann became the first landlord killed during the famine. He was obviously, the word got back and people were not happy. <laughs> and this is a, another, I just find this an interesting little story. Brother, yes, Brother Colm O'Connell says it's a tremendous honour to receive an award from the Irish government for the work coaching athletes in Kenya. The Catholic Brother is among 11 recipients of this year's Presidential Distinguished Service Award, which recognises the contributions of the Irish diaspora. He has spent over 40 years coaching middle and long-distance runners in the East African country, uh, nurturing world and Olympic champions and world record holders, including double uh, 800-metre champion, it's a David Rashida. Uh, it's incredible, unbelievable that I should be selected. It is the highest honor a person can get, especially from someone from the diaspora. I often wonder sometimes how somebody who lives in a remote village in Kenya can be singled out. It's a tremendous honor and a very, very special one. Originally from County Cork, Brother Colum associated uh, association with Kenya began in 1976 when he joined the staff of St. Patrick's High School uh, in Kenya. The school for boys, which was set up by Irish parish missionaries and built on a hillside overlooking the Rift Valley, oh, would be lovely looking, went on to establish a world-class track and field record. Brother uh, Collum's first Olympic success came in 1988 when Peter Rano, in age 21, became the youngest ever winner of the 1,500 metres at the Seoul Olympics. Matthew Birne, Benjamin Caputo, other winners of the Olympic 3,000 metres also worked under O'Connell. He also developed female talents such as two-time uh, world marathon champion, whose name is blocked out, I can't remember her name, and former world 800-meter champion uh, Eunice Sum. Just amazing what this guy did. The coaching of Kenyan athletes, particularly in the, uh, the area of youth, identifying young, young talent and nurturing it has been very much uh, part of my aim right from the beginning. I think that's a real area I, I really came came into. The success at the top came as a progression from the young people that I was coaching and they just sort of, uh, you know, they had talent and I just sort of helped them to use that talent. Maybe one of the most satisfactory things was the development of the women athletics in my group. That is something that I'm very proud of. I would like to think that as a person working in Kenya, I had an impact on young people's lives through athletics, using it to add value to young people's lives, to give them a future, hope and values. Brother Colum, now in his 70s, has... Uh, found a balance between keeping his Irish roots alive and embracing life in Kenya. I've always felt part of my Irish community, and I think that has been a strength because there is strength and diversity. I've always felt very encouraged by the, the support I've been given by the family and community in, in Ireland. And, of course, I had a very high level of integration into the communion, the Kenyan community. Uh, that has played a huge role in helping me to reach the level between being Irish and being Kenyan. He... Uh, Previously received a Coaching Achievement Award from the World Athletics Association in 19, uh, 2019 and also had a street named after him. Wow. I have been recognised locally and I appreciate that. But I don't come to, uh, this, to the village to find an achievement in a sense. My biggest satisfaction is the athletes themselves and the people's lives that I have impacted on. Uh, Brother Colin will be presented with his award by the uh, President uh, Michael D. Higgins on a ceremony on December the 2nd in Dublin. So it'd be a long way from home. But uh, good on him. I think it's good that people like that get recognition, actually. And what else we've got here? 
Beloved Irish language television channel TG4 celebrates its 25th birthday this month with praise coming from all quarters for its important contribution to the Irish cultural landscape. Uh, the Taoiseach was uh, the first to pay tribute to the channel saying, for the first quarter of a century, TG, TG4 has performed a vital role in Irish society and has established itself as a distinctive and unique voice of, on Ireland's media landscape. The channel's vibrant mix of local, national and international news and current affairs, entertainment, sport and culture has resonated with TG4's audience. I'm very much looking forward to seeing TG4 go from strength to strength in the years ahead. Good on them. Launched on Halloween, there we go, launched on Halloween 1996, the channel was originally known as something something Gaelic before being rebranded in 1999 as TG4. Based in... uh, County Galway, the channel was intended to revitalise the media profile of Ireland's West Coast and has been a stable in the region ever since. The West Coast, as you know, is what they call the Galtac, the Irish-speaking part of Ireland. You know, Irish language is uh, usually the first language, actually. At the time of its launch, President Michael D. Higgins was Minister of Arts, Culture and uh, the Galtac, and having championed the channel since its inception, he visited Connemara on Friday to celebrate its birthday. As always, President Higgins was joined by his wife, uh, with the first couple also taking the opportunity to host the German president and his wife, who also went along with them. So it was uh, quite, a, quite a day then. Now, I suppose it's all down to Brexit again. A bus, a bus driver in Newton Ards, which is just out of Belfast, was left badly shaken after two masked men boarded his vehicle at 6.30 in the morning and set it on fire. The attack took place in the predominantly loyalist Abbott Drive area of the town and is being linked to a DUP promise earlier in the autumn to collapse uh, Stormont's institutions if their demands to make changes to the Northern Ireland Protocol were not met. Despite giving in November the first deadline, the DUP has not yet taken the decision to boycott institutions, insisting instead that progress is being made in discussions with the Irish government, the EU and the UK government at Westminster. Lawless opposition to what has been referred to as the Irish Sea border led to intense rioting in the Shankill area of West Belfast back there in April. During that spate of violence, a bus was also hijacked and burnt with passengers and TransLink employees narrowly escaping from getting beaten up. Condemnation of this morning's attack came from across the political spectrum, with DUP leader Jeffrey Donaldson tweeting, there was never any justification for people with guns on our streets and damaging property. They will, they never, that, they never will, there never will be, sorry. But that just kind of double speak from Mr. Donaldson because he was, uh, it's a bit like Donald Trump, you know, sort of gets people sort of fired up, et cetera, et cetera, and then wipes his hands when things uh, turn nasty. Thuggery and tourism will do nothing to uh, remove the Northern Ireland Protocol. Political action has secured progress and made uh, and made uh, move and has made progress. Balance has no place in our society. Sinn Féin MP and former Lord Mayor of Belfast John Fuchan described the attack as dangerous, reckless, and despicable, which is true. There is absolutely no place in our society for this criminality and violence. SDLP Infrastructure Minister Nicola Mallon called the hijacking disgraceful and pointed out the potential danger danger to human life. Our bus drivers are frontline public workers. Our buses provide a critical uh, community service. Meanwhile, the Ulster Unionist uh, leader, Doug Beatty, tweeted that the incident amounted to the utterly disgraceful, depressing and stupid actions of thugs and criminals. Well, good on for saying that because that's basically all they are. Thieves and rogues. 
Right, it's a, a completely different story now. Uh, this is uh, recently Sorsha, my Irish water spaniel, invited a bunch of her brown curly friends for an autumn mingle in the beautiful northern Great Wood near Potter's Bar. This is in England. Uh, this ancient Irish breed of dogs, made famous by uh, Edith Somerville in her Irish, uh, Irish RM stories, is now sadly on the endangered breed list. Wow. So it was very rare to come across 10 of them running around together in the same place. Many of the owners and their dogs came from some distance away, from places like Chichester, Portsmouth, etc., etc., to have the opportunity to meet and share and have a bit of fun. It is alarming that in 2019, only 48 Irish water spaniels were born. That's the puppies in the UK and only 250 in the rest of the world and, uh, as well. It would be a tragedy if these Irish dogs, so full of character, went into further decline. They're beautiful-looking dogs, by the way. Absolutely spectacular-looking. I never heard of them until I came across this little article. After the woods, where the dogs had a good splash in the stream and mud, there was no lake in the wood where they could swim. The dogs and their owners were all welcomed in the, the Coach and Horses pub in Newgate Street, where the owners enjoyed a delicious Thai cuisine lunch whilst the well-behaved dogs lay drooling on the floor under the tables. Other walkers in the woods were astonished to come across this posse of funny-looking dogs, and Irish post-readers might have suggestions for a collective noun for such a group. They were, they were just, I mean, they are, they're absolutely spectacular-looking animals. And it's, it's, it's very few of them in the world, but the sound of it. Nah, back to the reality, I suppose. Speaking at a health briefing this afternoon, Professor uh, Phil... Nolan said that Ireland is currently at an exceptionally high level of infection. This is COVID. And it is very hard to say when cases will fall. He said if we are plan, if planning to see 15, 20 people next week, it would be much better to see just eight or nine. This is reducing the social contacts by 30 to 40%. Or equally, you could see how much more careful you, can, you have to be uh, in walking down the street. Fiona Gold Boss uh, said that it is far too simplistic to link the recent rising cases to the reopening of nightclubs on the October the 22nd. He said that many reinstating of restrictions would be informed by other factors, including hosp- uh, hospitalizations and ICU admissions, which he described as being stable. We do, we do have higher case levels, but the vaccine is holding and the number of people is uh, dying is going downwards. He added there are certainly no plans for any new restrictions. This comes as the Health Minister in Northern Ireland said that reintroduced uh, some restrictions cannot be, you know, reintroduction of some restrictions cannot be ruled out. Robin Swain said that Northern Ireland leaders would do all that we can to avoid another lockdown. Last month, Mr. Swain said the North was facing uh, into the most difficult winter ever experienced, and many hospitals are now operating on capacity. Overcapacity. Emergency departments are seeking very high volumes of patients over the weekend. With one patient in the Ulster Hospital there, uh, waiting 44 hours to be admitted. In the Republic, there are currently 460 patients in hospital, with the virus and another 86 people are in intensive care. The majority of red zones for infection are located in the Midlands and in the South. So it sounds like it's, kinda, it's coming back. It sort of wanes and then it sort of have a little surge. Uh, it's apparently that they're listening to the news this morning and Germany's having similar issues. And now something that is going to happen here, this is uh, COVID passports. A new app which allows users to show proof of uh, COVID-19 vaccination status within Northern Ireland has been launched by the health department. The COVID-19 check app will feature, will facilitate voluntary use of vaccine checks in hospital, hospitality and entertainment venues. The department has also updated the uh, 
the app which allows people travelling abroad to prove vaccination. It can now be updated to show the domestic use certificate, whatever that's supposed to be. Uh, the apps are uh, free to download and can be used on smartphones and tablet computers. Currently, people in Northern Ireland are not required to prove their vaccination status in order to enter hus- indoor hospitality or entertainment venues. That's a bit slack. Uh, the earlier app was launched in July in response to changes in international travel arrangements. Since then, more than 228,000 vaccine certificates have been issued to its Northern Ireland users. Um, now people who have already downloaded the existing uh, app for international travel will be given an option to activate their domestic certificate. To use this new feature, they will be able to uh, take a selfie with their phone or tablet, and which is then locked into the app. Mm. Uh, the purpose of adding the selfie is to provide uh, to prevent abuse of the system and also avoid users having to present separate ID when they use uh, the app as proof of vaccination status. That sort of makes sense. The department said users' uh, selfie photos will stay on the device within the app, but the image is not shared or or collected by anyone else. Uh, Since I encourage to download the app, I encourage that they have the the necessary certificates downloaded should they wish to present them when they're trying to enter some establishments. The SDLP leader, Colm Eastwood, said the app uh, showed just how easy it would be to introduce mandatory vaccination certificates across all our hospitality and entertainment industries. Which is true, and let's hope it works so people can get in, out and about. And also to do with COVID, really, this is uh, the street cards that have been issuing out in uh, Northern Ireland for £100, you know, to shop local, except to support the local industry, as it were. The deadline to use £100 spend local cards have been extended by two weeks to 14th of December. Economy Minister yeah, Gordon Lyons had told the Assembly <coughs> the £145 million scheme was set up by the executive to boost activity for bricks and mortar shops hit by the pandemic. Applications for the, the, uh, the scheme uh, opened on the 27th of uh, December and they're supposed to close on the 25th of October, but it's been extended. The Minister said he hoped everyone would have received their cards by today, so they had four weeks to spend them by the 30th of November deadline. Uh, Mr. Lance said, to date, more than one million cards have been dispatched. Over 580,000 of these have been activated. Over uh, £26.5 million has now been injected into our local economy. Some uh, 1.43 million applications have been made for the card, which would suggest that around 400,000 people are still waiting for theirs. That is why the deadline had to be extended. Thereafter, uh, Therefore, in order to offer these applicants a fair timescale to use the card, I can tonight pronounce it, we've extended the, the card time. The card is going to be a good business. I'm no doubt it might happen here. Might, you know, because it's to get the local economy up and moving. So local shops, stuff, et cetera, et cetera. For somebody who could displace that spending rather than acting as an additional injection of cash into the local economy. Uh, so, so it's going to be... I just think it's a good idea to actually get things up and running, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and this is uh, this COVID, uh, not COVID, uh, COP26, you know, the, the climate change down over there in Glasgow. The government has signed off on its much-anticipated climate action plan. A cabinet committee on climate action agreed on the long-promised plan, which aims to reduce the country's carbon emissions by 51% by 2030. That's not that far away, you know, 2030. 
It comes as world leaders in Glasgow for uh, the, the conference to discuss the global response to climate change. Central to the government's plan, which will be published tomorrow, and contains 200 actions or a list of carbon emission reductions with key targets for each sector. So that's going to be really interesting. But biggest, uh, you know, it's going to be seen how this happens, but I actually do believe that things will happen because I think they've got to happen because I think people, most people around the planet have, uh, you know, are not in a denial. They know that there is something that, you know, the planet is broken and we have to try and fix it. The biggest reduction in emissions will be sought after from the energy sector where carbon will have to be reduced between 62 and uh, 81%. This will uh, be done through a focus on renewable energies, wind farms, etc., etc., solar power. The business sector through the Department of Interest will be required to reduce emissions by 20, uh, 29 to 41% under the new plan. Uh, yeah, so it's all reductions, but I feel like I've been as the same as yourself. I've heard all this before, you know, and it's just kind of the same old pattern, as it were. And to finish off, the U.S. Secretary, uh, Treasury Secretary, rather, Janet Yellen, is in Dublin today, discussed the global corporate tax rate endorsed by the G20 last week. Uh, Ms. Yellen, the first female to take the top economic job in the U.S. government, uh, in an interview ahead of her visit to Dublin, she laid out the stakes of Ireland joining the OECD agreement on corporate, corporate tax reform, saying it was critical to be able to get an EU agreement. Secretary Yellen today will commence with a bilateral meeting with the Minister of Finance, Pascal Donahue. Uh, following the agenda, she will attend an event. Whoops, whoops. Ah, got it. Uh, afterward, the historic tax deal... Uh, entails a global tax rate of at least 15% and has been uh, agreed by 136 countries. It was designed to create a fairer international tax environment where profits are taxed uh, in the, the places where they are earned. Oh, that's good. Ireland's competitive corporate tax of 12.5 has made it a lucrative uh, country to do business in. In her, uh, that's why the, the economy has done so well because it had one of the lowest ta- corporate tax rates, certainly in uh, Europe and possibly another lo- one of the lowest in the world. In her interview with the Business Post, uh, Ms. Jones said that Ireland no longer needs to attract large corporations with its competitive incentives. Ireland can do so much better because they, they can take advantage of a very able, educated workforce and friendly business environment that goes well beyond taxes. She's talking about the Irish workforce here, I presume. Ms. Yellen will deliver a speech at an event hosted by the Institute of International and European Affairs in Dublin Castle later on this afternoon and is expected to fly to Glasgow uh, to attend to see the COP26 Climate Summit to put in her little bit. So that's about it for another week. And uh, I hope you're all keeping well and safe. And that, uh, you know, things are not as bad in this country as the media make them out to be when I read other stuff that's happening in other parts of the world. We're doing okay. And, you know, people are not dying quite in big numbers as they are in some other countries. And, uh, you know, the sort of uh, resurgence in some other European countries is a bit of a worry. Anyway, on that note... I will love you and leave you and say please be kind and take care. All right, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, 
pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. <laughs> <laughs>